the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Seven minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, hour number two is underway on AM 1420. The answer, it's a Thursday, the 10th month, or 10th morning, rather, of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Thanks again to Jim Renacci. Great conversation about his run for governor. Coming up at 1035, we turn our attention to the run for Rob Portman's soon-to-be-vacant Senate seat. And Mike Gibbons will join us as we continue to work our way through some of the conservative candidates for Rob Portman's rhino seat. Uh, so Mike Gibbons at 1035. And right now, as it is Thursday, you should know by now that it means it's time for Dr. Everett Piper, our regular visit from Dr. Piper with commentary on the news of the day. Dr. Piper is a former university president. He is a best-selling author two times over. He is a weekly columnist for the Washington Times. You really need to make sure to check out his most recent book. Get it on Amazon. It's called Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. Dr. Piper, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Hey, I'm remiss in not thanking you uh, publicly for having me on every week. It's very gracious of you to give me time in your annual program, excuse me, annual, in your weekly program. Thank you for the airtime. Well, I would like to take credit for graciousness, but it's selfish really more than anything else. You are a terrific guest, and you bring a lot of great insights to our program. So uh, I, uh, I'll take your uh, your accolades, but uh, please know that they're not deserved. I'm very selfish. Uh, all right, Dr. Piper, let's get into some of the news of the day. And actually, this is uh, kind of news of the month as it is as you know it has been declared to be pride month and you decided to commemorate pride month by writing a column for the washington times in your weekly column celebrating the essential vice and utmost evil Uh uh-oh this sounds like it's going to be a problematic for the pride celebrators but once again you turn to the writings in the work of c.s lewis to uh to guide us here tell us what you mean by vice and evil well, I not only turn to the writings of C.S. Lewis, but I go back 1,400 years to the declaration of Pope Gregory, who in 600 A.D. 
included pride as one of the seven deadly sins. And isn't it ironic that our second Catholic president, and I put Catholic in quotations there, our second Catholic president in the history of the United States actually decides to issue a tweet on June 1st, 2021, that says this, Pride stands for courage. Pride stands for justice. And most of all, pride stands for love. Happy Pride Month, Joe Biden. Now, okay, so Pope Gregory, 1,400 years ago, includes pride as one of the seven deadly sins. And now you have a Catholic president that's celebrating pride, waving the flag of pride, telling America to celebrate what C.S. Lewis called the sin that leads to all others, the ultimate anti-God state of mind. C.S. Lewis wrote of this 79 years ago. He actually spoke of it in his BBC, his British Broadcasting Corporation broadcast during World War II, where in the face of an existential threat, a real one, where it was possible, if not likely, that Great Britain would be taken over by the Nazis, they had suffered 52 consecutive days of bombing from the Nazi regime, from the Third Reich. And C.S. Lewis takes to the airways and encourages the people to not be prideful, but to recognize that humility is the foundation for a free society. He talks about how unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all of that are mere flea bites in comparison to the pride that actually led to the devil becoming the devil. He says pride led to the devil to become the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. Pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. And as you know, I go on in this article, Bob, and I talk about how Lewis argues that pride leads you to think that you're better than everyone else. Pride characterizes your view that you can rise even above God. You're better than God, therefore you will declare what's good and what's right. You will declare what's evil and what's not. You will decide what's just and what's unjust. And this is a very dangerous people for any culture, in, in a very dangerous place for any culture or any people to go. Because the Nazis themselves, in pride, rose up and decided that they had the solution for utopia. They would bring the great society upon all of the world. They would usher in a time where the superior race would have rule all of, over all the inferior races. Does it sound familiar to the time and the debate that we're having right now? So my challenge to everyone is rec to recognize this. Pride is the complete anti-state, anti-God state of mind. One more time on that. I butchered it. Pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. We should not be celebrating pride this month. We should be recognizing, as we were told in the book, in, in one of the book of Chronicles, I can't remember if it was First or Second Chronicles, that if my people will call upon my name and humble themselves, I will heal their land and I will forgive their wicked ways. All right. Uh, Dr. Piper, do you trust me? I think so. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> Well, I'm I'm going to challenge a little bit of what you said based on what I know critics of you and of me will say in response to your okay. article and in response to your explanation. That there are two sorts of pride. That there is the sinful pride that you just detailed in, in, in great depth. 
um, that we should not aspire to. But that, for example, today, uh, in, in all of our criticism that you share with me of things like critical race theory, for example, we condemn how those proponents uh, try to make little white kids feel ashamed of themselves because they're white. You are a racist by your DNA. You are a racist because of the way you look and what you are going to do to oppress the little little uh, darker colored children than uh, than you are. That's what CRT is. And many of us say we cannot do that. We cannot tell little white kids to be ashamed any more than we can tell little black kids to be ashamed of how they look. They should be proud of themselves. I'm proud to be a white person. I'm not ashamed of being a white person because white people in centuries before me may have done bad things to other people who weren't white. So we tell them to take pride in who they are. So your critics are already listening to your explanation of sinful pride and saying you're telling people they shouldn't be proud of who they are. Well, how do you justify what we're telling opponents or telling a proponents of critical race theory? Well, um, it's a very good question, and I've, I've actually had to address this. Uh, for example, when my boys were growing up, if they had a good basketball game or if they came home with good grades, I would say I'm proud of you, Okay. Now, the difference between me saying I'm proud of them and me saying I'm proud of myself is huge. When I say I'm proud of my boys, I'm saying I have confidence in you. Be of courage. I'm proud of you. You have accomplished something that your father, somebody who's bigger, better, superior, and has authority over you, is proud of. That's a very different thing than me rising up in conceit and saying, I'm proud of myself. I think the difference here, Bob, is the difference between... Well, well but before you, before you finish that thought, should your boys, when you tell them how proud you are of them, should they feel pride in themselves? I did something good. Dad is proud of me. I'm proud of myself. I, actually, I would suggest no. <clears throat> and here's the reason. Okay. I want them to have confidence in themselves, and I want them to have confidence that their father loves them, and their father is proud of them. I want them to be confident in me and that I am there for them. I'm proud of them. I don't want them to rise up in conceit and say, I'm proud of the color of my skin. I'm proud that I'm a better basketball player than this kid that doesn't have as much talent in me. If I instill in them conceit, I've been a lousy dad. If I, can, if I instill in them confidence in me that I love them, and then I'm proud of them, that's a very different thing. And I think that's our relationship with God. He's proud of us if we humble ourselves before him. It's the paradox. It's the paradox of the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I want to have confidence that God's there for me, and I'm glad my pastors, my parents, and my teachers instilled that confidence that God is there for me. But they never instilled in me conceit that I can rise up in and of myself and be proud of something that God gave me. He gave me the color of my skin. I'm confident in that. He gave me the skills that I have. I'm confident in that. But if I change from confidence to conceit, I've jumped from um, common sense and, and obedience to God to defiance of God, and that 
is the sin of pride, the sin that leads to all others. Hope that makes sense. It does. It's a very complex thing. You could probably do this for a couple of hours on your own podcast in Oklahoma. We could do it for a couple of hours here. You know, the, the, the line between pride and, and conceit or pride and narcissism or self-love, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of, a, a lot of ground there, maybe a lot of gray area there that it does take some, some reflection, some thought, maybe some Bible study as well to really kind of, uh, to come to a, a true understanding of. So is, in the short period of time we can do, or that we have rather, you have done it as well it can be, as it can be done. Let me take our time out here, Dr. Piper, because we have a couple of other topics we want to uh, create time for or make time for, so we'll do that right after this on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, 1021 now. I continue with Dr. Everett Piper. We've got uh, still quite a bit of ground to cover in the last nine minutes here, Dr. Piper. Let's dive into last week's column for the Washington Times. Obviously, I was on vacation last week, so we didn't get a chance to talk about this. But you spent uh, a great deal of time talking about uh, the death toll and the violent crime rates in America's most progressive cities and what the cause of that is. I think most people know about the defunding of police, but it goes beyond that. And uh, you kind of uh, pointed to an interview between Mark Lamont Hill and Christopher Rufo here to underscore what's going on in America's cities and who's paying the price for these um, uh, for these policies. Go ahead and take it from there. Okay, in that article, I actually cover the fact that the Fraternal Order of Police just issued a report on the crime rates in given cities across the nation. And the murders in our nation's capital are up 35% same time last year. Philadelphia increased 40% same time to last year. Minneapolis, 56%. And who takes the brass ring, the first place, the blue ribbon, for the increase in murders? Compared to last year, Portland is up 800% so far this year. Now, in the face of that, in the face of that, you've got Mark Lamont Hill interviewing Christopher Rufo on BET's Black News Tonight. And, excuse me, Mark Lamont Hill asks Rufo in that interview if whiteness isn't a negative thing. Name something that you believe is positive about being white. That's a direct quote. I'm going to repeat that so everybody knows what Mark Lamont Hill asked. Quote, if whiteness isn't a negative thing, name something that you believe is positive about being white. Are you serious? You're actually talking to another human being, and you're saying, can you tell me one positive thing? One positive thing about the color of your skin. Now, if you don't think, if the people listening right now don't think that that type of attitude, that type of question, those types of ideas that look down on other people, degrade and besmirch other people to the extent that you can actually look at somebody on TV and say, can you tell me one positive thing about who you are, about the color of your skin? Is there anything out there? about being white that's good. If you don't think that's leading to anger and resentment and vengeance and vice, then I've got a bridge to sell you in the, in the Mojave. I have oceanfront properties to sell you in Nebraska. Ideas have consequences, and this type of idea is the antithesis of the gospel. It's the antithesis of what St. Paul told the first century church. He told the church that you are neither barbarian or Scythian, that you are human beings, 
and selfless unity rather than self-centered demands and aggrandizement must be the top priority to, for defining who you are as the body of Christ. The hand cannot say to the eye or the foot or the arm, I have no need of you. You can't say to another member of the body of Christ, can you tell me one positive thing about being a hand? Can you tell me one positive thing about being the foot? No, that's ridiculous. That is not Christianity. That is not the American way. That is not coming together as a melting pot in unity. That is emphasizing diversity to the extent that you are extolling division and you're looking negatively and down your nose at people that don't look like you, talk like you, or think like you. This is ideological fascism. This is racial fascism because it divides while it binds together people that look like you and talk like you, think like you, walk like you, when it binds together people that are like you but excludes everybody else and crushes them because you can't tell me one positive thing about being white, this is fascism, pure and simple. Yeah, it's, it is fascism and it is racism. There's just, there's no other way to describe it. I wish I could follow up on that because there's a lot of ground there, but I want to get to uh, the other two quick topics as, if we can. This circles back a little bit to the Pride Month, uh, Dr. Piper, that you commented on last segment. Um, the, it's one thing to have, you know, left wing, we don't think tanks. Uh, which is the way I refer to them, uh, you know, trying to change the vernacular of, of, of you know, uh, of personhood and so on and so forth. But it's another thing for the presidential administration to do it. And I'm talking about the Biden budget proposal that has been released has changed the phrasing of women who give birth to children, which, of course, is how it works in the natural order of things and the scientific order of things, to birthing people. Now, perhaps you, you saw the story, perhaps you didn't. But for those who don't, the, the exact language in Biden's budget allocates over $200 million in funding, quote, to help end this high rate of maternal mortality. They do say maternal there. And race-based disparities in outcomes among birthing people. Um, the Biden budget director, or deputy director of the Office of Management and Budget, rather, Shalanda Young, was asked about this yesterday. Uh, was that a misprint? Was that a typo? She said, no, this is a shift. Uh, or Excuse me. She said, there are certain people who do not have gender identities that apply to female and male. So we think our language needs to be, to be more inclusive on how we deal with complex issues. Dr. Piper, again, this isn't just some, you know, left-wing blogger or some left-wing think tanker or even a professor. This is the presidential administration essentially trying to take the womanhood out of women. You know, every honest feminist should be outraged with the language and the butchering of the definition of a female that's taking place by the left, by the Democrats right now, and being led by Joe Biden and his cabal, cabal, excuse me, and his cabal of lunatics, quite frankly. The inmates are running the asylum right now. This, this is crazy. How can you claim to be a feminist when you watch a government disparage a female to the point where they don't even call a mother a mother any longer? They're going to call them birthing people? How can you embrace any... Any party, any political party that disparages the female to the point where they don't even keep men out of female sports. They let males squash women in competition because, by definition, males are going to be stronger and faster, and that's why we have female sports in the first place. There's a great deal of overlap 
between that story you gave me out of Oklahoma where a girl's actually suing the University of Oklahoma right now because she was um, she was treated unfairly because she wouldn't buy into all this nonsense and she had to transfer to another school. She was essentially I mean, booted from the team because she wouldn't use woke language and uh, and participate in all of this nonsense. Right. She wouldn't call a mother a birthing person. She called her a mother because that's what she is. You know, a father can't be a birthing person. A male can't be a birthing person. Guess what? The science says that a female, a female is a biological fact, not a fantasy. A female and a, can be a mother, and no one else can be a mother other than a female. That's just a fact. If you want to be pro-science, that's a fact, people. So let's attend to the facts and stop worshiping these broken, sinful feelings where we want to recreate reality to fit our own political agenda. This is a very dangerous place to go. It's not just Babylon B. Uh, 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 this is, this is a, not a joke. This is right. serious. And that's where we are right now as a people. Dr. Piper, that story about uh, Kylie McLaughlin, uh, a former volleyball player at the University of Oklahoma, is a huge one to me. She is uh, taking a very courageous stand here, and she is filing a lawsuit against the university for essentially for cancel culture. Um, we don't have time for it now. If you're agreeable to it, I want to have you back on Monday or Tuesday, kind of an extra visit next week, just to talk about that story. It's right there in the, your backyard in Oklahoma, because uh, I think this is big, and hopefully it's the first of many lawsuits to follow from people who have been canceled or forced out of their positions or whatever the case might be for not going along with the woke uh you know the woke mob essentially so if uh you're agreeable we'll schedule something early next week all right absolutely look forward to it i do too thank you dr piper great stuff as always that's dr everett piper don't forget his book on amazon you got to get it it's called grow up life isn't safe but it's good and it would be good if you read it Mike Gibbons joins us next. Ohio Senate candidate or U.S. Senate candidate from Ohio. That's coming up. AM 1420, The Answer. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth You are experiencing the truth, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed. Truth coming at you like it's coming out of a fire hose every day. And I hope you can stand it. And I hope you can uh, join in it by sharing it with other people. 1037-216-901-0945 is the number to join us. Thanks again to Jim Renacci, who is now officially a declared candidate for the Ohio gubernatorial race. Thanks to Dr. Everett Piper. And now back to Ohio politics. The other big race that we are all looking forward to here in the Buckeye State is the race to replace Rhino Rob. Rob Portman is abandoning his uh, Senate seat, not running for re-election, and a big, long list of people are ready for the primary fight to replace him. Among them is my friend Mike Gibbons, who joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer, as a declared candidate. Uh, Mike, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm doing fine. (laughs) Always a pleasure. Last time we spoke... um, your campaign or your candidacy was just a rumor. You said it might happen, but you can't confirm anything. And now, of course, you are an officially declared candidate. How is the campaign going for you in the first month or so, uh, officially? Well, uh, you know, we have a 
full year almost until the primary, and you would think it was next week. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I am I'm running hard. I have literally five engagements I have to uh, to take care of, let alone you know today. Uh, it's you know it's it's full tilt. So it's uh, it's and that's the part I like. Uh, you know I get to meet a lot of new people and, and tell them what I'm thinking and why I'm running and. And I enjoy that. It's, uh, but it's going to be a long, hard slog. Yeah, that's. Let's. I was going to tie those two things together. Um, you know, it's almost a year until the primary, and yet you'd think it's tomorrow. And you've got five engagements today. Can you keep up that? That's got to be a very tall task to keep up that kind of a pace for the period of you know five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten months. Well, you know, I kind of did it for you know thirty years. Uh, in my in, in what I chose as a profession, it was pretty much. Uh, you know, we, we, we weren't dealing business with people right down the street. You know, I, I, in fact, uh, I, I was just reminded by somebody that a few years ago, like 10 years ago, I got an award for flying 300,000 miles in one year. Uh, you know, if you think about that, um, my life's no different now than it's always been. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah, you're just applying yourself to something different now, but that's a great thing. You've exactly. got that kind of you got that kind of experience and stamina built up for three years of of that kind of a work ethic. Um, before we get into some of the issues that the Senate candidates are going to have to you know establish positions on to make statements on, um, respond, Mike, to my characterization of Rob Portman uh, as Rhino Rob. There have been a lot of things that I've been very disappointed about, to be quite frank with Rob Portman's performance. There's some things where I say, all right, out a boy, too, and I give him kudos for. But uh, I have been less than impressed with his uh, conservative bona fides, to be honest with you. I, I feel like I need somebody a little bit more stronger in tune with my conservative beliefs, family values, uh, and constitutional principles than what Rob Portman has given me. How do you feel about that? Well, um, you know, I think, first of all, I think Rob Portman, uh, you know, did a good job for us. Uh, in, in almost all cases, uh, he, he's a class act, and and uh, I think you know when he appeared on on uh, a news program, I was proud that he was our senator. So you know he looked good, he acted with dignity, um, you know he wasn't throwing bombs at anybody. But um, you know I'm I'm I am strictly conservative, and and Rob uh, will will not always choose the conservative path. And uh, and I'm not sure, uh, you know, I'm not sure why. Uh, I got into a little uh, issue with him in the last campaign when I ran uh, in 2018. Because I told, all I said was I was disappointed in him. Um, and, 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 and by the way, the disappointment came because of his, you know, he, he ultimately voted with Republicans for Obamacare, but there was there were a lot of, you know, political journals and whatnot that were talking about how squishy he was on, on following through. He ultimately came through and McCain you know, took the heat. Um, but but he, for the first time, you know, we had words, and I've been a supporter of his. Uh, I'm always going to support the Republican if the Democrats the only other solution. I'm not going to waste a vote on, on some third-party candidate. So you've you got to go with, with the Republicans' pick. But uh, you know, that's why... Never Trumpers always bothered me. You know, really, you're going to vote against Trump or not vote? And, and you see what we have now. So I, I have to say, he he doesn't fit my you know strictly conservative world view. And 
And but generally, you know, he's you know sixty percent of the time he's he's squarely where I think both you and I are. So it's uh, so I guess you can't get perfect, uh, and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, but. Yeah, no, you know, and, no, and nobody is perfect. I mean, there have been disagreements yeah. I've had with some of my favorite members of Congress, the people that I agree with 99.9% of the time, but then there's right. 0.1%. So I'm not asking for perfection, but I will say I want somebody right. who's more rock-solid conservative than than uh, than Rob Portman has been. Um, Mike, let me ask you about the, the race and the size of it. <clears throat> We're talking to Mike Gibbons. Mike is uh, one of the declared candidates for the Republican primary for that Senate seat. A poll that it should be pointed out was commissioned by Josh Mandel's team. And, and I know, mm-hmm. as you pointed out, we're a year away, roughly a little less. But, uh, but this, is, this is here, so it's worth commenting on. They commissioned a poll that showed uh, right now Josh Mandel with 35% of the support of the respondents, Jane Timken 16%, J.D. Vance 6%. Mike Gibbons, 5%, Bernie Moreno, 2%, and Matt Dolan, who isn't even declared, at 2%. The biggest number there is undecided at 34%. So that's a hell right. of a lot of votes. Uh, do you do you even take note of these kinds of things this early? Do, do these polls bother you? They matter to you at all? Are you going to conduct any of your own? Well, uh, well, sure we are, but, but <clears throat> these are exactly what we expected at this point. Um, in the last election, I got 32% of the votes in the state. And I won 38 counts. Um, a lot of those people that voted for me the last time don't even know I'm in the race yet. I mean, it's not on their radar. Yet. Um, we have not spent a nickel on, uh, on on any type of television or cable. Both Josh and um, Jane have. And J.D. Vance is on television, uh, you know, at least on Fox News every other week. Yeah. Um, so, I, so I get that. In fact, you know, we had this very conversation uh, as you may remember, you probably read an account, uh, four of the candidates, including Bernie, who still hasn't declared, um, we were in Mar-a-Lago with, with President Trump. We were sitting in a room um, with uh, Josh to my left, Bernie to my right, and, and Jane on the other side of Bernie. And um, the president said, uh, what are the polls show? And Josh said, I'm ahead by 42% or something. And Jane, you know, differed with him on that. And they argued about it for for several minutes. And and when it all all was said and done, and they were finished trying to determine who was more popular, I said, Mr. President, uh, you know, I ran in 2018. And uh, six months from now, so six months forward from now, with six months remaining before the primary, my name recognition was zero, and my, uh, you know, my vote to, uh, tally was zero. And I said I ended up with 32% of the, of the vote. So uh, I think whatever the polls say right now are irrelevant. Josh has spent $50 million spreading his name around Ohio um, over the last 20 years. Jane has spent, I don't know, a million or more uh, recently. So that's what you'd expect. Uh, but I assure you that uh, it's virtually meaningless at this point. We intend to uh, – this is going to be an expensive race. And if everybody stays in, uh, it's going to be you know one of the more expensive primaries in Ohio history, if not the most expensive. 
So, so having said yeah. that, Mike, you, you, you just pointed yeah. out you haven't spent a nickel yet. When does the expenditure right. on your behalf start? When do you start saying, I'm going to get my name out there and I'm going to show people who I am and get into those TV? Right. I, happen to, I happen to know a great radio station for you to spend your money on, by the way. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure we will. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this, and I'm not sure if you know who Rex Elsass is, but uh, Rex is one of the better-known media people in America, and we were lucky enough to get uh, his uh, uh, an organization called Strategy Group, and he was holding off until Steve Stivers decided whether or not he would get in the race. And right. He's a longtime client of Rex. Um, but he's developed a plan for us, and uh, I, I, I frankly don't want to want to mention it, uh, but we, we have a plan that's actually kind of took my breath away in the cost, but uh, our intention is to hit it hard and long and uh, and you know, effectively, uh, uh, as, as uh, Rex said, when we get done with this, you're not going to be able to go to a restaurant and not have everybody say hello when you walk by their table. So, uh, well, I can't. I'll be honest with you, Mike. Uh, from a selfish standpoint, I can't wait for that to happen. And here's why: people ask me all the time because of what I do, who I like in this yeah. race. And I, you know, I tell them, sure. I said, "Look, there's a lot to like about Josh Mandel, and I do. There's a lot to like from the one interview I've done and the other things I've heard from JD. I think he's answered the question about his prior Trump criticism pretty well. Uh, that he has really kind of uh, grown from that and has has changed his opinion. I like JD a lot too. Uh, but then I say, I really like Mike Gibbons a lot, and people say who <laughs> i'm tired of trying to explain i'm trying to i really i have a hard time explaining who the heck you are man so uh whenever you can get that publicist out there working for you and get your name out there i would appreciate it michael well, all kidding aside you know, I, I think uh, that will happen yeah i'm sure it will oh i'm sure it will mike all kidding aside let me just get a couple of uh, things in here on uh, on the Senate, um, it looks like uh, Joe Manchin has become as powerful <clears throat> as as Joe Biden, uh, really uh, yeah. in Washington right now, right now. Because we all thank know God that. for Joe Manchin. <laughs> Amen to that. And uh, you know, the question is is whether we can count on him to be as uh, sturdy on other issues as he apparently is going to be on the uh, election uh, 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 reform bill that they tried to push through, the federalization of the elections, removing the states from the equation, and uh, the legislative filibuster. Um, what does that say to you? Uh, you know, when you go into the Senate, if you are successful in this race, um, you know, he is, he is bucking the trend, uh, of, of the Democrats in his state that voted for him. Uh, he is turning against them and siding with Republicans because he's, he thinks it feels right. When you go in, will you always make decisions, Mike, on what your party wants? Or would you be willing to buck the party if you felt like this is the right thing to do, a la Joe Manchin? Well, you know, I won't buck the Republican Party unless they're going to do something that isn't conservative. Uh, I mean, I, I am a, you know, I, I'm a Republican, yes, but if you ask me what I am, I'm going to tell you I'm a conservative first. And I'm a conservative because it works, and because my entire life I've studied conservatism, why it works, and, and why liberalism has never worked. Now, there are, you know, kind of fine gradations in what's conservative and what's liberal. You know, and, uh, you know, articles say I'm a, a far-right conservative. Well, you know, I don't even know what that, or I'm sorry, a far-right Republican. I, I don't know what that means. Um, but I can tell you I'm staunchly conservative. And for somebody that understands where I'm coming from, that doesn't mean that I'm a racist or that I'm a, a mean or cruel person. I believe in conservative principles. So I, I can never vary from that. And that's, and I, I promise I never will. 
Well, that's kind of uh, the reason I asked, because, you know, if you yeah. do buck the party, it's going to be in that way, because quite frankly, you know, there's a lot, there are a lot of Republicans in the Congress and in the Senate in particular who are a little bit less than conservative and who take us in yes, directions sir. that I don't think we need to go. And so, you know, the, 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 the game, you know, the game, uh, even though you haven't been in Washington officially, you know, the game, you go in there with the strongest of intentions and I'm going to do the right thing by my principles and so on and so forth. But then you encounter the machine that says, we're not going to back any legislation that you support and propose unless you back us on this one. And it's a, um, you know, it's a less than conservative bill. It's a less than conservative policy right. that they want to push forward and the question is, is do i play their game and give them that they, what they want so i can enact a real conservative bill in another area that's the, the the tough thing that every politician from all those i've interviewed through the years tells me is you're not ready for that when you go into that into that uh, quagmire well you know i've, I've sold myself to pretty some pretty uh, uh well-established people around the world my whole career i mean you know uh, i i was i wasn't selling you know, automobiles like Bernie Marino did. I was telling myself, um, I, I was going to advise them in the most important transactions those companies would ever be engaged in. And they had to trust me. And, and believe me, over 30 years, I've developed a pretty good power of persuasion. And, uh, it, and I feel that's going to come to my aid here. Uh, unlike, I mean, I, I could have done a lot of things with my life before this, but, you, you know, frankly, what I did for a living for 30 years, and we did pretty well, um, you know, it's going to serve me well in the Senate. And, and you know, the, the one thing I think is different also is I believe in what the Federalist Papers uh, intended uh, and, and talked about uh, what should be happening when people go to Washington. You're, we're citizen legislators. We go to serve. We come home. Um, you know, term limits are essential. Shame that we even have to, to, to legislate about term limits because people should do it just out of personal pride and, and, be, sh- and, and be shamed into doing it, but they're not. And uh, I don't care. I, I'm going to act without regard to re-election. I don't care about lobbyists. I don't care about uh, uh, people supporting my next campaign. The only thing I care about is this country and making sure that we retain the principles on which it was founded. And, and, and we're, you know, we have a party that's trying to take us in a different direction, and, I, and that's why I'm going. Bob, I, I, uh, you know, I've got X number of years on this earth, and, and when I'm lying there looking up at uh, you know, the last few minutes of my life, I want to make sure that I've done everything I possibly can to make sure this country continues the way it was. I've lived the American dream. I, I think everybody can live it if they Amen. want to work hard enough. Mike Gibbons, I'm so glad to get a chance to talk to you today just about getting into this race. Obviously, there's a long time between now and then. I'm sure I'll talk to you plenty of times about issues, about economy, about jobs, about health care and so forth, race and everything else in this country. But I'm glad to introduce you as an officially announced candidate to this race. I look forward to talking to you again very soon, my friend. Thanks so much for the time. Great talking to you. Thank All right, Mike Gibbons. Mike Gibbons is uh, is a candidate. Don't ask me who when I tell you that I like Mike Gibbons. I'm not doing an endorsement here, but I'm telling you I like Mike Gibbons. I like Josh Mandel, too. I like J.D. Vance. I don't know anything about Bernie Moreno. I haven't talked to him. I interviewed Jane Timken, and you can put me in a hell no category for that one. But I like Mike, and I think you need to get to know him. 10, uh, 1053, right back after this. Oh, 
Final countdown indeed. <clears throat> Just a couple of minutes left to wrap this one up. I gotta tell you, I uh there, there are shows that I do that I'm really glad that I had no guests because we just get a lot of great conversations with great callers and a lot of great monologuing and audio clips that you need. And there are times when I don't take a single phone call, like today, uh, because I've got great guests. And I look back and I say, that was one of my better shows. This is a great show today. And, and not because of me. I didn't do it. Uh, Jim Renacci was great. Great interview with the newly announced gubernatorial candidate. Uh, Dr. Everett Piper is always great. And uh, really tough stuff that we discussed today, too, with Dr. Piper in res- with respect to Pride Month and, and more. Uh, and then, of course, Mike Gibbons. This is a very, very important race. We absolutely must hold the Republican seat once Rob Portman vacates it. And hopefully we can improve upon it. Not just by holding it as a Republican seat, but by replacing Rob Portman with a conservative, a truly conservative Republican. And then also somehow find a way next time down the road to boot uh, Sherrod Brown out of there. But this is so important, the Senate seat. And i got to tell you, I'm, I, I like a lot of people in this race, and one of them uh, very strongly is Mike Gibbons. So I really enjoyed that conversation. I think this was a, a real a real great show. If you missed any of those interviews with the people that I just mentioned, make sure you log on to whkradio.com, and you can always download the interview. Really interesting comment, by the way, by Jim Renacci in that first uh, hour of the program about the need for or the desire to have an endorsement from Donald Trump in this race, in the governor's race. If you didn't hear what Jim Renisi had to say, listen to that podcast, whkradio.com, hour one on June 10th. I think you'll be really, really uh, interested in what he had to say. That's all. That's going to do it for today. Tomorrow we will be joined by, let's see, Christina Hagen and probably a couple of other guests as well that I'll tell you about then. Until then, stay here for Mike Gallagher and have a great day. Bye-bye.